Thanks for listening to Open Doors Live with your hosts, Mike Gore and James Kazina. Because of your support, we're able to bring the persecuted church to life. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au. Here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. It is Mike Gore here in the studio, and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. Well, as we fast come towards the end of 2018, we've got something a little bit different for you today. In November, Open Doors were lucky enough to attend the Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference. Hillsong are great friends of our ministry, and they serve and do great things for the persecuted church, not only with their music, but also in their service. And so we asked, could we use the audio from that conference of the Open Doors collab, the session that we ran, and more than that, could we use it to play to our listeners of the podcast? So that's what today's episode is. We've included the audio from the Open Doors session at the Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference 2018. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to our Open Doors collab. My name is Dale Simons. I'm one of the worship pastors here at our church. And I think firstly, just would like to say thank you for being here. I think you've been spoilt for choice with our collabs this year, right? But I'm glad to say that you made the right choice to be here because Open Doors really is an incredible organization and our church has partnered with them and that's not something that we take lightly as a church but something that we're very intentional about and Open Doors is really an incredible organization that's doing something so significant in this day and age, working to strengthen and and, and support persecuted Christians. Christians that, you know, against crazy sorts of persecution, opposition, that they still choose to follow Jesus in places of the world where it's dangerous to confess your faith. Things that we just take for granted in our, in our day-to-day, they have to actually fight for. And so Open Doors is working to see their work of, of spreading this good news, to see that continue to go forward in some of the darkest places of the world. So it really is just an incredible thing that we get to do as a church in, in partnering with them in this work. And so, you know, today we hope to just really illuminate what it is they're doing, what it is they are doing in in the world. And so, you know, our hope is that you'd see it and that you'd also get behind their vision and and join us as a church in partnering with their work. And so today I'm going to ask some friends to come up and join me for a panel. Can we please welcome Mike Gore, the CEO of Open Doors, Jocelyn Gotto, part of the executive team, and the one and only JD Worship leader extraordinaire, come on. Yes. How is everybody? Woo! How many reckon like little shouts of woo have we done in the last like two days? Like, praise God, welcome these people out. But we've still got it. And um, that's good. Yeah, thanks for coming. I was just talking with Mike. Uh, It's true. There's so many different collab options. And I know that you're here because this was your first choice. It's got nothing to do with any of the other ones that were already full. Like this was as soon as you had a chance to register on Monday. The first question I asked Clay sitting next to me was, are you here because everything else was full or did you actually want to come? <laughs> no, I know you're here because you want to be. And I'm really excited um, that we get to kind of have a bit of a conversation. Uh, one, because what Open Doors does is actually unbelievable and they're doing things that no one else on the planet are doing. Um, two, I'm excited because both I've known Joss and Mike for a while and especially over the last couple of years, Mike and I, we try and have coffee once a month, so that means we usually get it every three months, right? right. And, um, 
And really part of what I think we want to do now is, uh, like when I have a coffee with Mike, I walk away um, eager to lift my hand at the altar call on Sunday when we have the opportunity because when I hear about one, his faith and what he's doing, I get so challenged. And, and um, But more than that, I get inspired and encouraged. And so part of the plan this afternoon is that we kind of, me and Mike having a although I didn't get you a coffee, bro. I'm selfish. I just, I brought my own. Hey, and I um, flew in from Germany this morning and you've been true. here. So yeah, <laughs> This guy got off a plane this morning, which it would be good to hear a little bit about where he's just been. Um, but yeah, so I love it because I'm actually really good friends with these guys and love what they do. But um, more than anything, and, I, and I'm sure you're the same, I can't help when I read my Bible that I just see over and over and over again the clarity of the way Jesus teaches us to live and what's really, really important to us. And I, I kind of alluded to it last at the end of last night that how amazing it is for us to do these conferences and it's and we do it because the Bible tells us to do it and it's, an, it's important. But I do believe there's so much more that we can and should be doing. And so I think what Open Doors do actually help us be better Christians and help us be obedient to what it is that Jesus is uh, doing. So I believe we're going to be encouraged and inspired. I know that we will be over the next few moments. And also just a little disclaimer, about halfway through, I'm going to run out, not because I'm offended by anything that anyone's saying, not because I'm bored, but because I'm actually supposed to be at rehearsal right now. I'm on tonight. And um, so I'm in a bit of trouble because I'm going to be late to rehearsal. But I thought if Brooke can go to New Zealand overnight, I can um, I can spend half an hour at this collab. So... Um, so I'd bet apologies if me leaving. I'm doing my best to at least be here. Um, but Mike, one thing I wanted to ask you to maybe um, uh, talk to us for a few moments anyway. That video, I think, gave great kind of vision to what you know you guys do and you can expand on that. But especially the term persecuted church, um, I think we've all heard that before. And, you know, I knew growing up in, in church and a great Christian family. I have to do one thing. It's a little bit whatever, but this is a bit rare for me. But my mum is actually in this collab. Robin Douglas, can you stand up and just wave to everybody? <laughs> what I love about my mum is she's that like embarrassing mum that even still, still to this day when I'm like singing at church, she gets sneaks in early and like waves and blows me kisses in front of all the band. And I'm like, mum, go away. Like, you know, she's but just helping she, you to keep her real. But at, at, this, at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful because like, I don't know whether you realise this, but if it wasn't for my mum, I wouldn't be here. Like actually physically, right? <laughs> But also I love that, you know, both of my parents are amazing Christians and they have set the tone for us as a family. So anyway, it's good to have mum here and slightly embarrassing, but that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> love you, mum. Yeah, there we go. So the persecuted church. I know one, one of my favourite things about getting to know you and hanging out is, is the way that you talk about the persecuted church. I think, to be honest, it's easy to have the wrong perspective when we hear the words persecuted church. And I'd love you to kind of your revelation, your spin, um, especially the experience of seeing it firsthand, how you view what the persecuted church is and how we are to respond to it. Yeah, look, it's a great question. One of the things I want to start with is that I think often in uh, environments like this, not just at Hillsong, but Western kind of conferences and cultures, there's a real tendency to make a hero out of whatever the subject matter is you're talking about. And one of the things I really want to clarify is that Open Doors isn't the hero. Persecuted Christians aren't even the hero. Jesus must always be the hero. And I think that's where I want to start today is that the goal at the end of today's session is not to leave you walking away saying, hey, look how great persecuted Christians are and look how sort of rubbish I am. The goal is to say, you know what, these people, if persecution, which I truly believe, is an earmark of successful Christianity. Right, that's a really interesting thing. Persecution is an earmark of successful Christianity. So the question for us is not always how do we avoid persecution, 
A better question is, why aren't we being persecuted? Because as a ministry, if we want to stop it, it's pretty easy. We just get people to stop talking about Jesus. Or we get people to stop meeting in communities at church. We get people to stop sharing the gospel with others and persecution will stop. But they don't right? because they realize that persecution and faith go hand in hand. Like Paul said in 2 Timothy, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so for me, I think I really want to just set that up today. I'm not here wanting you to walk away saying these guys are better than me. I'm wanting you to walk away with saying, hey, you know what? If they can live courageously for Christ, well, I can do it too. And so as far as persecution goes, I would say it's defined as anywhere Christianity kind of bumps heads with governments, politics, other religions, and there's a fallout. As a ministry, we work. But the best way to sort of describe the breadth of it is what we call the smash and the squeeze paradigm. Okay, at one, it's your mum laughing, isn't it? No, no. Um, at, one end, at one end of the uh, paradigm, you've got the Middle East, right? The smash, it's visible, it's in your face, uh, the hands of ISIS and people like that. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you have the squeeze, indicative of parts of Asia where outworking your faith is just so difficult. It renders you to a life of abject poverty and believers in those countries will tell you it's called civil death. It's a faith it's where, where you're dead but you're alive, they say. And the reality is, for me, acts of non-violent persecution are far more effective than violent persecution. And um, it's true, you got off a plane this morning. What time did you land? Uh, we were late into Sydney, but we landed about 7am. Yeah. 7am, and you flew from Germany? Yes. But we're, um, I'd love, just because what I wanted to ask is, we did see you know, the broad stroke of what um, Open Doors are doing, but can you say you just spent two weeks in the field? Do you want to let us know where you went and what you did? Yeah, so this one was a conference more where we got people from the field to come and meet. So I spent time with uh, key contacts from right across the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and heard particularly what's happening uh, in those regions. You see, we've seen persecution increase. Uh, many of you will have seen ISIS over the last five to seven years, but that's just one part of the story. Um, changing nature of religious freedom in the Western world is a big issue facing our ministry. In fact, we'll probably say in the next 10 years, the biggest challenges facing our ministry in fundraising, all those sort of things, are not in the field. They're in the developing world, or the developed world, sorry, the fundraising world, because as um, religious pressures come on from government, you see, I reckon, over the next 10 years, you'll see a lot more control from the government in the church in the Western world, and our job will be to say... How do we avoid that, right? How do we stay true to being uh, courageous Christians in places like Australia, like America and those developed world countries? Yeah, awesome. And um, Joss, who is amazing, um, really driving force behind Open Doors here, um, we were catching up, you know, briefly uh, after the other session and I love what you were sharing about your revelation, your passion to kind of, that drives you to do what you do. Do you care to kind of elaborate or expand on your revelation or why you do why you're a part of this yeah I mean I have been working for open doors for two and a half to three years now and I used to be a worship pastor and before that I was a singer-songwriter so it's kind of a pretty big career change to jump into like working with the persecuted church and to be honest I just stumbled into it well that's what it felt like to me people have corrected me and been like it was a god thing and I was like yes but to me it felt like I stumbled <laughs> Um, but in, in those moments and over the last couple of years, I feel like my faith has been completely transformed by the persecuted church. And um, 
I kind of wanted to speak into that for you guys because I feel like I am a creative. I'm, you know, last year I attended this conference and got so much out of it. And um, I want to encourage you that I'm like Mike and I and the rest of our team and the persecuted church themselves are just normal people who have faith. Um, and, and it only takes faith as, as big as a mustard seed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I want to encourage you with that and also just to challenge you that the persecuted church will change your life if you let it. There are so many different stories of faith um, that God will use and God will use it in your creativity um, and he can strengthen you. And, you know, the whole conference is about the ascent, right? And Mike will talk about this a little bit later, but we've been talking about the idea that um, the ascent is like, it's what we're aiming for, right? But it's also, it also gets harder the higher that you go. If you think about climbing a mountain, um, the air gets thinner as you go higher. And I think that... Um, that God carries us in those moments. And as we ascend, it does get harder. The closer we get to God, it does get harder. And you see that all throughout the persecuted church. But one of the things that I think sometimes stops us or that we worry about is um, doubt in that ascent and how um, I think sometimes we feel like our doubt, whether it's in ourselves and in our creativity, I feel like creatives see the world in a different way. They see the world and they feel it in a different way. And there's so much doubt in that. Um, and sometimes that we have doubt in God, but just because you're doubting doesn't mean you're not ascending. In fact, I think in those moments where you are doubting, you're taking steps further and further. And if you look through the Psalms, which a lot of the ascent is based off, David is wrestling with God. He's praising him and he's wrestling. And I remember reading actually a couple of months ago about um, Habakkuk and the, the name Habakkuk means to wrestle and embrace at the same time. And I feel like that's what the ascent is. And I feel like that's kind of what the persecuted church do. They know the cost of their faith, but they continue to do it. And they just embrace and they wrestle at the same time. Yeah, it's so good. And um, Mike, do you want to, um, we're talking about the same thing and you're, this is, the conference is themed the ascent and, you know, we are going up the mountain and the promo was so beautiful like this I remember talking to Cass about a week out of conference and you know if you saw any of the promo videos or images there's this nice like kind of white like snow capped mountain and actually some dude just floating on top of it I don't know how we do that I guess special effects or whatever um and then Cass kind of saying we had a meeting a week before and she's like I had this beautiful picturesque picture of the ascent the mount we're going up and um we made all the imagery off that she goes i realize it's just like a full-on like a jungle and that we have have got machetes and actually carving a path and that like you know and that's what the reality sometimes looks like but for you mike can you speak into that and whatever stories you have to go along with it, with it your yeah look i think as i sat with the theme of of this conference you know the reality is is that there literally is no summit without cost Right, it's just not possible. And so I think the paradox of the ascent is, particularly for me personally, is that for as long as I continue to measure my proximity to God of his provision of safety, I'll find myself walking around base camp. And the most heartbreaking part of it is I'll never even realise. Because you see, let me say it again, too often we measure our proximity to God, the closeness, the ascent, right, the summit of his provision of safety. Whereas a persecuted church, they realise there is no summit without a cost. And more than that, it's not as if there's a cost sometimes. The cost is every time. And as Jossie said, right, the higher you go, the thinner the air, right? The, the closer you are to God. The thinner the air, the greater the risk. Right, but the greater the risk, the closer you are. 
to making the summit. And more than that, once you get there, you realise it takes as much energy, faith and courage to stay there as it did to get there. And I think, again, too often we look at our faith and we think, hey, it's like I'm going to push into God for this moment and this, but I know personally for too long I've been measuring my proximity to God based off his provision of safety and in the whole theme of this conference, I didn't realise I've spent my life walking around base camp. Um, You know, as we talk and keep saying about the persecuted church, I don't know about you, I think it's, again, maybe like Western culture, but... uh, I don't know, there's nothing about being persecuted that makes me want to run towards it. <laughs> you know, like it's not like... But we do know um, the more we read God's Word and understand the life that we're called to live there. And I think we all realise, like, well, hopefully we all realise that we all do and should and will suffer a level of persecution. And Jesus never said that, like, you go the the way of following him isn't the wide, easy, flat road that just comes on is just always downhill it's actually you know he talks about in Matthew 7 that like that's the the road that many people take but the way following Jesus it's it's the it's that narrow road but it's that narrow road is the road that actually leads to life that leads to the open spaces um and one thing I've loved through hanging out with you is um is the way that you and you've kind of already touched on it but what I'd be keen and you know both of you can put your like I'd love you to um, give expression to this for all of us that the persecu- like the the persecuted church isn't something that we need to look down on and even necessarily feel sorry for feel sorry for or make it a negative thing but I would love you and I know you've been to the field a bit as well Jocelyn but I feel like every time I talk to Mike he's in one of the stands like I'm like what do you mean he's like you know Kazakhstan JD asked me if Tajikistan was even a real country when yeah. I last met him <laughs> that's right <laughs> That was great. One time we bu- one now. time we bumped into each other in a foyer in Jerusalem. Yeah. That, was, that was just crazy. This guy's all and he just came from places I didn't even know existed and has the most amazing stories. But what I think is what I what the goal of this session is not for us, like you said, to walk away feeling sorry for the persecuted church, but actually one to be praying for them, understanding our role that we have even, you know, uh, being the church and also how we can practically help. But um I'd love you to both of you to maybe tell a couple of stories or um because i actually believe there is revival going on in the middle east i know as with hillsong united last year we went to dubai we went to bahrain um we went to we we went to some place in israel and um and i was just completely blown away at um at what god is doing in that part of the world and and what i love more than anything and i think you'll hear from what these guys have to say that um the way people are responding to jesus is miraculous um, it's it, God can use a preacher and an evangelist, um, but the way that God is calling, and specifically Muslims, and revealing Himself to them, it's like it's unbelievable. And I, I think that we can again through the the picture that we get painted to us through social media and and media. Um, do you care to share from your experience of going to some of these places what you believe God's doing and how the church is? Because I think it's inspiring. Yeah. Look, I think. Um when we talk about revival, one of the key things is we often talk about or we think about numbers. It's booming. It's growing. Millions of people this, millions of people that. Sometimes revival happens with courage. Right Now in Iraq, we've seen the church shrink tremendously. But what we see remain is courageous, passionate believers. 
and in many ways that's where the, the basis for the numbers revival begins. And so I think the Middle East is booming for Christ. I think that there are large numbers of people coming to him. And I think that there's some incredible stories. I mean, one that comes to mind was I remember being down on the Syrian border. And basically, uh, I realised in that trip, in that moment, that Muslims have a greater expectation that Jesus will answer their prayer than I do. Because I was in these camps, right? And there's a church service there. The first service is full of Muslim background believers so people have come to faith in jesus the second service is full of veiled women seeking jesus and the pastor begins the service by asking these women who are muslim whose prayer did jesus answer last week hands go up testimony after testimony the service finishes with the pastor asking them and what are your prayers for jesus this coming week and they have them ready to share and for me it was a moment i realized i pray but I don't wake up with an expectation that Jesus will have heard or answered my prayer. Whereas these people who are Muslim, they're not even yet Christian. They pray and they wake up with an expectation that Jesus will have heard and answered his prayer. And when they pray, they're not asking for big, shiny, new things. They're praying that God will make himself real in their moment of need. Yeah. Food, shelter, clothing, protection for their kids. And you know what? Time and time again, he is answering that prayer. And he does it by moving the heart of the local church, courageously obedient and unquestionably the hands and feet of God to those living as refugees in their community. And so for me, that was one of the huge lessons from this last year, that Muslims have a greater expectation that Jesus would answer their prayer than I do. And so I guess the question off the back of that is, how is your prayer life? And when was the last time you woke up with an expectation so great that it drove you to look for the answer? Oh, every morning, bro. <laughs> <laughs> is that true, Mum? <laughs> I actually want to share a story from that same church. We were on um, the Syrian border there together with my husband, Matt, as well. And um, that church started as a house church. And they met uh, in an apartment. There was only 20 or so of them. And they would meet together faithfully. And they would pray for a way that they could um, reach out to the Syrians um, just across the border. The border is only about 5 to 8 k's away from there. Um, and the pastor there, he received um, a sum of money from a an American donor thing, just got given a bunch of money and was praying to know what to do with it. And the Lord told him to build a church. And so he built this, like there's only 20 people in his church at this point in time. And he built like a five-story church with um, a huge auditorium, all these different breakout rooms and everything, but only with 20 people. And then once the church was like nearing completion, that's when the war in Syria broke out. And soon that whole valley in Zahle in Lebanon was flooded with refugees. There was 500,000 of them there when we went and that was kind of a little bit after the fact. And you just think like thinking about revival and thinking about praying um, for your neighbour and then the Lord brings them right to you. And I just thought... and. Actually, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Jordan on the Syrian border with a similar story of a church there. And we got to sit in, um, in a house with um, Syrian refugees. And they told us their story about fleeing um, Syria. And they're still Muslim. Like I'm talking to a veiled woman and her husband here in their home. And I, she started talking about Jesus. And I was kind of taken aback because you don't really know like what's the socially appropriate thing to do. I feel like here we often leave Jesus out of our language because it's kind of culturally inappropriate just to bring it up. It's, it's uncomfortable. And this woman started talking to me about how our field contact there, she had never known love like she had seen it in this man and she knew that that was Jesus. And so not only are these churches providing aid, 
like food, shelter, helping them try and rebuild their lives. They're also just, it's always, always about Jesus. It's never just a transaction. It's never even just a relationship. It is always about the gospel and about Jesus' name being declared all over that region. So it's amazing to be a part of. So cool. I love hearing these stories. I don't know how much it's got to do with anything we're talking about, but can you, I got blown away. You texted me the other day about uh, like there's a, a cave church in Egypt. Can you tell us about that? So while I was in Germany, um, we had the privilege of distributing these USB sticks from Hillsong right across the Middle East and um, Asia and all parts of the world. And the privilege I've had this year is traveling around to different countries and, you know, the most random of places. I mean, I was in Iraq recently and, uh, one of our contacts there showed me this video and she said, hey, look, this is my 14-year-old niece singing Who You Say I Am. And it's down in a city that only recently, I mean, a couple of years ago, had some horrific attacks and I'm standing in this church and there's blood all over this candle stand and that's the only memory this brother has of his pastor and just crazy stuff. And here's this 14-year-old girl singing Who You Say I Am. But everywhere I go, people are like, hey, are you friends with Hillsong? And I'm like, of course I am. I'm really good friends with Hillsong. Um, and anyway, in Germany last week, you got invited to come and play in Cave Church in uh, outside of Cairo. It's a cave that holds 20,000 people. And it is one of the most incredible churches I've ever been in. And they would love for... Uh, probably, I'm sure this isn't politically correct to say, and if any of the senior people are watching it, they would love you to come and play. You don't have to answer that. But they would, uh, they would love to invite you guys to come and hold a concert in Cave Church. Yeah, he, he texts me that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to get the boys together. We're coming over. Um, I don't know about you. I get it. I, what I love about these conversations is they instantly take our eyes off ourselves. And I'm in my journey of following God and trying to do, you know, pursue what his, his call is on, on my life and our lives. I think that um, one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is that we just focus too much on ourselves. And we all know it's Christianity 101 that it's actually not about us, that it's, it's about others. It's about living for God and to glorify Him and to help other people. And I think that we can get stuck in a pattern of just being so focused on what we don't have. And, and if you don't have to think about it for too long to understand that there's nobody on the planet that I think has everything that they want and need. And you know that because usually it's the people that are the most influential, rich and famous that they're the most empty and, you know... Um, depressed people but yet we're never going to get to the stage that you know we are going to have what we need but I think when you understand like how much we actually have that it helps us kind of move on from going like and there's nothing wrong I'm all about wanting more stuff or wanting you know to to do more with my life but it's just amazing and I think hopefully we're all sensing it already just listening to you know other people's stories and their faith and the opportunity that's out there you start to kind of get perspective that you know um of how much we can actually help how have you found like navigating that tension yeah look i i've seen a lot of christians survive persecution but i've seen very few survive prosperity and it reminds me if i can tell a story if we have time i, I remember smuggling bibles into china and Basically, I had about 17 kilos of Bibles that I was trying to take in. And the night before the delivery, we were, uh, we were up in the hills outside of Hong Kong and we're meeting with some believers. And he says to me, last time we had a group of travellers here, we were waiting at the Hong Kong border to go into mainland China. And I said, let's just pray that we can get these Bibles through. And he says, so as a group, we prayed. And right there and then the scanners blew up and caught on fire. He says, smoke, flames, everything, right? And he says, we're able to get the Bibles through. And so... 
I'm sitting up with this brother and he says, hey, let's pray the same thing happens. And so you can imagine me on this... I was about to say white Australian guy. I'm not white. Um, here I am, this Australian guy, sitting there going, yeah, Lord, I just pray that the scanners would blow up, I guess, or catch on fire. And, um, and so the next day we jump on the bus and we're getting ready to head down to the border and this Chinese brother comes running out waving this piece of paper. He jumps on the bus and he says, it's a news report, I want to read it to you. He says, last night at 8.30, the scanners at the Hong Kong border blew up and caught on fire and they'll be down today. And so... Man, it's amazing. We wander down. There's scorch marks and there's yellow tape and all this sort of stuff. And anyway, we walk these we walk these Bibles through into mainland China. And later that day, we're meeting with the underground church. And I remember meeting with like a 60, 70, maybe even 80-year-old brother. And he was telling me about faith in the face of communism. I mean, just eerily haunting stories. He was speaking in broken English. And I was listening intently as he told me these stories. But as our time together came to an end, I remember I said to him, what can I pray for? I'd love to pray for you, brother. And he says, I want you to pray that persecution never leaves China. And I said, what? And he says, we look at the Australian church as a prophetic example of what happens when faith becomes free. He said, the value of Jesus drops. I want you to pray persecution never leaves China. And I remember I looked at him and said, well, would you pray for me? That was probably a moronic question because then he looks at me and says, yeah, I'll pray you'll be persecuted. Um... But it, the reason I say this is that it comes to the, this other Chinese brother that, that all of this sort of ties together. He says, Mike, the enemy's second best tactic is persecution. He says his best tactic is materialism. Because Lee Chin says to me, picture this, Mike, the enemy has a barrel of a gun pressed towards your temple. He says, renounce Christ or I'll pull the trigger. Lee Chin says, nine times out of ten in that moment, you'll find the courage not to deny Christ and the trigger will be pulled. He says, but now picture this. The enemy says, fine, J.D., you can have it all. He takes you to a big warehouse. He gives you a house, money, car, food, fame, whatever it is. And he says, you know what? You can have Jesus too. There he is sitting on a throne and you can go to him anytime you want. Leachin says, it's not too long before you get so focused in playing in the blessings that you don't even realize Jesus Christ has left the building. And he says, that's the problem with materialism. You see, as I said, I've seen a lot of Christians survive persecution, but I've seen very few survive prosperity. Um, just to encourage us even more. Um, <laughs> that was meant to be no, <laughs> somewhat uh, inspirational. <laughs> is this encouraging? It isn't. What I love about this and the goal is, and it is a, it's a balance. It's not like one or the other. We are all doing our best to follow Christ. And that's why at this conference we're doing this session right here and, and are trying to highlight it as best we can through that other's panel. And it's a tension that we, it's a, I believe, like a tightrope that we have to continually kind of walk out. Um, and that's, that's why I love, you know, hanging out with you and everything that Open Doors is doing because I believe it helps us keep focused on, you know, uh, what we should be doing. But you said something like just kind of, I feel like out of the side of your breath before. I don't know if there's more to it, but um, the whole thing about... Uh, Oh. Yeah, sure. So, um, oh, <laughs> not nice setting up. So, look, one of the things, again, from my time in Iraq, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in that country and I've seen some incredible moves of God. But one of the greatest lessons I took from Iraq was which is of greater danger to your faith, ISIS or an iPhone? Right? Because I see one of them driving people to God and I see one of them drawing them away from Him. And it's a subtlety of distraction that's suffocating our faith in the West. 
right? The reality is I can say to you, man, you know what, JD, I'm going to commit to you tomorrow that I'm going to pray before I check my phone in the morning and all I do is pray faster. Or I say to you, you know what, I'm going to check my phone before I pray and all I do is pray shorter, right? The reality is if we've gone from speaking with the Saviour in the sky to being distracted by the so-called Saviour in hand and I think that, you know, the reality is in Western cultures, if we're not careful, we are far more likely to slip in a place, slip into a place of cultural and spiritual insignificance than we are persecution. And for me, that is a far, far more terrifying outcome because the longer we start to take Jesus out of our faith or parallel culture and society, the quicker it'll be that we look back and go, man, you know what, we are a long way from where we need to be. And so the, the job is to be courageous and to realise that there is no summit without cost. I love that. I like. I um, again, as I'm expecting that we're all being so inspired by what Mike and Joss are sharing. Is um, I just think it's so important for us. And again, we find it over and over. Romans 12 is such an obvious example for us when Paul writes that you know that we we need to renew our mind that we don't get so conformed to the pattern of this world or we slip into it without even realizing. And um, and I know like that happens for all of us and there's grace for that and we are all on the journey but I pray that I never get satisfied and never get okay with slipping into that that zone and um and so my prayer is always that I would you know be understanding each day the way that we think the way that we act the way that we talk to people that we would renew that and that's why I'm so the you know the bible is our compass like we've heard and and um to help us on that journey and I am about to slip out because I'm going to get in trouble. I just don't want to get in a lot of trouble. So I'm going to go halfway through rehearsal instead of not getting there at all. But um, I'm going to leave it with these guys because I know they've got more stuff prepared and they're going to show you a video in a few moments and it'll make you cry um, in, in a good way. It's really inspiring. Remember, um, it's all inspiring, it's, yeah. No, I know. Is everyone good? Is this inspiring everyone? I know. I, I love it. Um, but I don't know if you want to read the letter or what you want to do. Um, I'm going to run, but I, I love you guys and love that we are highlighting this and all that you guys are doing. And, and as well, I'm sure these guys will say, but they've got an incredible tent that's set up. If you haven't already seen it, that you can find out more. And they've got more team that we can be inspired. And there's so many different things we can help. And I know that at the very least, I and I think as you know, by hearing what these guys are doing, that we should be praying for them, hey? And um, And I just want to say thanks for what you guys are doing. And I know that. We've, we've become friends, but also I'm so, like, I love being able to, you know, partner with you guys as a church and also personally we're figuring out how we can get to the cave and other fun <laughs> yeah. places and, um, yeah. and keep doing it. But I'm going to You've got to get out of here before we get in trouble, hands. right? It's going to be fun. Love Thanks, you guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, before I sort of wrap up, I thought I might ask Josie, um, by the way, this is her first time speaking, and so she was terrified. And Thanks. Have you, got, have you got any closing thoughts or um, things you wanted to share before I wrap up? Um, I think just one thing um, that I've been thinking about and just been mulling over my brain today was, I don't know how many of you were in Bobby's session last night, but she was talking about that passage from Ecclesiastes where um, eternity is set in our hearts and minds, and it's something that's within all of us. And I think sometimes um, when we hear these stories and uh, when you meet with these people, you think that they have different faith than you do or they're on, you know, just another whole level, but they're the same, they're the same people. 
But I think this is the difference, and it kind of came to me last night when, as Bobby was reading out the passage about eternity being set in our hearts and minds. I think the persecuted church look to eternity so much more than we do, and JD kind of touched on it earlier, how we, um, we focus so inward when really all we need to be doing is looking forward and looking up, and we focus on now, we have everything, and it ties into all the materialism kind of thing where we have everything that we could possibly imagine here. Yes, we still long for more, but um, when we were in Central Asia earlier this year, we met with a believer who said, one day my greatest reward will be to see Jesus. And I just thought, man, like, is that what I'm hoping for? Is that my end goal at the end of the day? Is that what my whole life is about? And to be honest, I, like, I was really confronted and I think, no, like my, my mind is so focused on myself and on my situation. But the Lord promises us that eternity is set in our hearts. So it's not something that is unattainable for me to long for the day that I meet Jesus and for that to be my reward. So I just wanted to encourage you with that, that it's not, um, we, we never want to leave people feeling um, down or feeling like they can't do anything or that... Um, we always want it to encourage your faith as well. So I encourage you to read your word. It will come, it will come alive um, when you marry it with stories of the persecuted church. Um, and really just thank you for, for coming to this. It means so much to us to be able to share with you. There's two things that I usually say to people when we're in the field that you can promise people that you can do. One of them is pray for them and the other is share their stories. And so for us, this is a really honoring experience because we get to now honor the promises that we've made to people all over the world that we get to share their stories. So thank you. Good job. You see, even hearing Jocelyn speak then, you know, I think there's a big... For so many of us, we live as though Jesus Christ isn't coming back in our lifetime. Now, the impact of that's actually really profound. Because I'm sitting here going, that's how I live. I live as though Jesus Christ isn't coming back in my lifetime. Whereas the persecuted church live as though he is. And there is a big difference. Again, they're not the hero, but they are a compass that shows us how we should be living a courageous faith. I want to, before we sort of wrap up today, I want to read you a letter that I've got here. It was from a pastor in the early 90s. He was from Africa. And the day after writing this letter, he was martyred for his faith. The letter was found amongst the notes on his table in his room as his house was cleaned out. And I just want you to listen to the words this guy has. You see, the the root word of, of the meaning of the word passion is not about how excited you are for something. It's about your willingness to suffer for something. That's what passion is about. The passion of Jesus, his willingness to suffer and die. It's not about how excited you can get about a football team. So let me ask you, are you passionate for Jesus? Or in a more direct translation, are you willing to suffer for him? Because there is no ascent, there is no summit without cost this pastor wrote he says I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed the die has been cast I have stepped over the line the decision has been made I'm a disciple of his and I won't look back let up, slow down, back away or be still my past is redeemed 
My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sidewalking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talk, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or rewarded. I live by faith. Lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by Holy Spirit power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road may be narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus, and I must give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he does come for his own, he'll have no problems recognizing my colors will be clear. The last words of a man martyred for his faith in Christ. We're going to play a video for you now. And the band's going to play along and then ask us to sing. And how I want to end this, as I said, it's inspirational. I want you to worship with the persecuted church. So please sit back and enjoy this clip as we worship with the persecuted church. Amen. Have a seat for a sec. Well, I hope that was an inspirational, beautiful moment. You see, the song is being sung all over the world. Across Asia, the Middle East, Africa, places where faith comes at a massive cost. And today, you got to be part of that and join with your global family and believers and fellow brothers and sisters. But before we finish today, we always know this sort of thing is coming, but I want to ask you to do something for us. Because as I said before, I've seen so many people survive persecution, but so few prosperity. So the question begs, what is the survival of the church worth? at Open Doors and you've got on your seat these envelopes and all we're doing inside is we're asking you to match a subscription, you see, because for me, I know that I pat my prosperity out with Spotify, with Netflix, with a mobile phone, with internet, with all these creature comforts and in and of themselves, they are not bad. But what I want asking people to do today is to find and match one of those subscriptions in your life to the survival of the church. But more than that, I want you to choose the lowest amount that will see you support them for the longest time. Because the worst thing I could do is stand up here and give you some eloquent message that says, hey, give me as much of your spare money as you can. No, 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 I'm not into that. I want to say you give me the lowest amount, but I want to see you do it in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, because caring for the persecuted church, it should be part of the DNA of every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, because the reality is wherever the gospel is being shared, persecution exists. You know what? By supporting our ministry, you're prolonging suffering. We're not here to end it. We're not even here to stop it growing. We're here to give people the strength to stand in the face and shine as brightly and courageously as they can for Jesus because we're going to where the Great Commission is moving and we're saying we want to breathe life into what you're doing. 
I even put my mobile phone number on the back of it. So if you want to call me, you want to message me, you could message me just the amount and your name. I'll get back to you personally. One of our team will follow it up. I want you to come to the tent and meet our team. But you know what? I believe every single person in this room could be doing this. It's bold and it's direct, but I believe it. Because there is no summit without cost. The easiest thing we can do is give. We have so much comfort in our lives. What room can you make for the persecuted church? So please, all we're asking you to do is take one of these stickers, have a look at it. You can choose a region if you're passionate about the Middle East, North Korea, it's Asia, all these places. You can choose a region and you can support the survival of the church. Thanks so much. I think we're going to sing this chorus one more time and then Dale's going to come and finish and close us out. But please do not forget about your brothers and sisters. Who here is feeling inspired and challenged, right? So incredible. Can we give it up for Mike and the Open Doors team? Thank you so much. And you know, I don't think I could further reinforce what I hope Mike's stories, testimonies of real people from real places that I hope would, you know, cause us not only to be moved emotionally, but to cause us to act. You know, the Bible says that we're one body and that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. But then on the other hand, on, on when the one part of the body is flourishing, then the whole body flourishes, right? And so I just hope that we'd strengthen that revelation that we are actually one body and that we can contribute because many of us, we, we represent large churches, I would say, many of us, right? Many different churches. And so as one body, the church, capital C, I ask that, you know, you take that to heart. I mean, a subscription as little as our Spotify. That's crazy, right? As little as what we'd pay for music. It's incredible. That can help strengthen and support our brothers and sisters on the front line, seeing the gospel of Jesus go forward into those dark places. It really is incredible. And so I just want everyone to leave here with that on their hearts. And you know what? Even if you just want more information, like JD said, go and check out the marquee. It really is an incredible place. There's so many resources, so many different stories there also of other people who, who are there in, in those different places. Like I said, over 70 countries. And so go check it out. The team would love to chat to you. And, 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 you know, maybe see even more practical ways that your church might partner with them, like, like our church, Hillsong Church, and our partnership with Open Doors. So I encourage you to go check that out. But before we uh, close, we're sort of out of time. I'd love to pray for Open Doors and the persecuted church. Is that okay? So come on, why don't we just join me? If you want, open your arms to heaven or extend your hands, close your eyes. Father... Lord, I thank you for the, the burden that you have pressed upon the heart of this, this organization, this, this team of people, Lord, that are just working with your church to see your message of freedom, to see your light shine in dark places. Father, I pray that you would just breathe on their endeavors, their mission, 
Lord, would that you would just breathe fresh life and momentum into all that their hearts set out to do, Father. And Lord, I thank you for every woman, every man, every child that confesses your name, Jesus, even against opposition, even in the face of persecution, even when it could cost them their lives. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them, strengthen them in their, in their pursuit to see your name glorified and made famous amongst all people in all corners of your earth. That conviction, Lord, that conviction toward commission. I thank you for this work of Open Doors and I pray that we'd be challenged to just see what it is we can do to support them and support our brothers and sisters out there. So Lord, I thank you for their ministry. I thank you for the work. I pray your blessing upon it, Father. And in Jesus' name, everybody join me in saying, Amen, Amen. Again, let's give it up for the team. Thanks for listening to Open Doors Live with your hosts, Mike Gore and James Kazina. Because of your support, we're able to bring the persecuted church to life. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au.